What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 166. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? You're not going to introduce our other guest? Our other guest? Yeah, okay. I I can introduce it. Uh, Check it out. Oh, hey. Look who we have here. Yeah, there's a, in all its glare and glory. Should I turn my screen brightness down? What help? Uh, maybe no i think your webcam just sucks <laughs> <laughs> that's true but uh presented here for the first time is uh my, my fully graded one ring uh, technically it is a one ring <laughs> well but, and it uh, is yeah. yours i mean it's the serialized one you're the only one in the world who has that one so yeah uh number 84 of 900 this one it's it's back it's here it's been graded there's a little scuff on the case, but uh, you know, I guess I can't hate Beckett for that because uh, the inside of the card is great. It came back a, a mint nine, which, you know, that's good. Uh, for those that, that want the, the, the detailed breakdown, centering nine, corners 10, edges 9.5, surface nine. Uh, it's here. I got the, I got the ring. So uh, still not Sweet. entirely sure what I'm going to do with it. Probably maybe hold on to it for a little bit, maybe sell it. I don't know. I'm open to ideas. <laughs> Do you know what what's happened to the value of those since you opened it? Yeah, I've actually joined a couple Facebook groups. Uh, really big collector heads, ones that are mainly for people looking for specific serialized cards. And um, I've seen similar ones, higher numbers, which uh, it's all just a luck game, really. Once you have it, I've learned. Uh, the lower the number, the better. Like a a card in the twenties will just sell for more than a card in the thirties, unless there's like special ones, like triple numbers, like four, 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 or three, 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 um, or like 69 and four twenty. those types, <laughs> those tend to go naturally so, as they do. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, no, this is, uh, it's under a hundred. So it's in the top ninth, I guess. So, uh, I don't know. I might just post on one of those groups to see if people are interested, try to gauge about like, the range people are thinking but uh looks like it has maintained its value and they're not making more so <laughs> i guess i can just hold Sweet. on to it for now definitely the that's uh, awesome the highlight of my collection for sure all right well before we jump into the rest of the episode of course our usual housekeeping if you're not already in the discord do check that out it's the best place to be to chat all things mtg discuss your picks talk about trophies of course right now we're in the middle of spoiler season so that channel's kind of popping off and People are having a lot of fun talking about the wacky cards that are coming out in Wilds of Eldraine. So definitely jump in there and check that out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to each and every one of our patrons who continue to support us every week. We are beyond grateful for all of you. So thank you so much for your support. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards signed by us and sent out to you. Again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. All right, on to our Cracker Draft type thing. Ben, what do we have here? We have some nonsense. Uh, this weekend is apparently the Arena Cube Open, which I will be doing as many attempts of as possible. <laughs> uh, hopefully enough to make day two and maybe cash because the Arena Cube is been a format i've enjoyed in the past uh cube is awesome i've been playing a lot of vintage cube actually lots of two ones uh not a lot of three <laughs> as usual uh usually someone just does something a little more busted than i am uh, but that's the vintage cube you know it's it's a, a challenge um but the arena cube is still pretty good it's kind of the top i don't know how big it is now it's gotta be 540 right 500 ish 
best cards on Arena. Unfortunately, that does include alchemy cards. So, you know, you might have to study up if you haven't been paying much attention to alchemy. But they've also just been like sneaking in a bunch of cool cards here and there. And I don't know if you think about all the ones that have come in um, these like extra sets here and there, little expansions to help out uh, historic or uh, explorer or even the uh, the bonus sheet type things um, with the mystical archive cards or uh, the artifacts from Brothers War. Uh, there, are, There's a surprising range of cards on here that I kind of forgot existed on Arena uh, just because like, they mostly see, I guess, historic or alchemy play or yeah but anywho uh let's discuss a, a pack one pick one and uh you'll you'll never guess where the draft goes after that. all right so pack one pick one here uh those that already saw my my one ring know this but you can actually look at our video now uh this is on youtube if you're maybe already watching it here what's up youtube otherwise if you're watching on spotify video you know you can see this too even if you're just listening on spotify just take a quick look if you want to follow along with our uh, our packs from this point onward I, I like this feature a lot it's pretty great uh, we've got an unholy heat in the pack. We'll start down here. Uh, it's whatever. Without delirium, it doesn't really do as much. You can't really get it reliably in in on arena. Even it's better in modern, where you can put like a, a bauble in the graveyard or something reliably. The bauble might be in this cube. I don't know. It was on the brother's war sheet. Whatever. Either way, um, it's like a two. It, it, it's a deal to the cannon's face. So unless you're like a jund graveyard deck, I wouldn't really think about taking this. We do have Lightning Strike, old reliable, two mana deal three to anything. Never going to be incredible, but always going to be good. Soldier's Edict, I actually just put a couple of these in my modern sideboard. Very reasonable card, but uh, against certain decks. If your opponent is going wide and making tokens, then who really cares? Well, yeah, I guess typically you limited one non-token, but yeah. Sure, typically in limited though, edicts are kind of the worst removal you can find and in a cube that's generally quite powerful it's probably not going to be your best removal option mm -hmm. we've got an olvenwald oddity uh, a vintage cube card now uh, four mana four four trample haste and it flips into an eight eight it's no questing beast but you know it's fine see double this one's kind of funny uh, you choose one uh can't be cop if an opponent has eight or more cards in the graveyard you get to do both you either copy a spell or you make a token that's a copy of a creature. And it's an instant, an instant speed four mana clone. Um, it is a token, which makes it a little worse. It can get bounced for good or um, otherwise removed in certain ways. So I don't know. I'd like to see maybe this could go in the like the blink ETB deck. But the past few iterations of the cube, that deck hasn't been good. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> it just hasn't really worked. Oh, look, another four mana four four <laughs> with trample and haste that's in the vintage cube. Weird. Uh, Rampaging Raptor. This one's pretty good. Uh, it's the red version of Oldenwald Oddity, I guess. Um, it it kind of has the Questing Beast text on it. Whenever it hits an opponent, it deals that much damage to a Planeswalker or a battle. Uh, so, you know, fine card. You can also pump it for three mana. Uh, you know, I, I beat someone in Vintage Cube with this card, so it's probably okay in Arena Cube, right? Just ramp into this, play it on turn three. That's a 4-4 four, four haste. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we talk about often with cubes and especially the higher powered cubes like Vintage Cube or Arena Cube, um, you're really looking for effects that aren't replaceable when you're taking your first handful of cards. And mm -hmm. that sort of like Planeswalkers, well, especially the battle side of this this effect, isn't super replaceable. There aren't very many cards that do this. So definitely seems like a card that you could 
keep in consideration for a first pick, but I don't know that I'd be super excited about a four mana four four trample. Like like on its own, it doesn't really seem all that fantastic for a first pick. I mean, talk about replaceability. There's two in the pack, right? <laughs> so Right. Yeah. I mean from a body, yeah, for sure. But again, like that effect yeah. at the end. Uh that part is good. Probably not yeah. too many cards that that'll do that in the cube, yeah. Next up, we've got Precursor Golem. This is the 5 and a 3-3 that ETVs to make two more 3-3s. Uh, and then if one dies, they all do. Or if one gets pumped, they all do. Kind of a high-risk, high-reward card. You know, I actually ended up wheeling it and taking it. It's fine in the Blink deck. Um, but even then, it's not great. You can still get answered with one, one clean lightning strike, right? So uh, not super high on this, but... It does, you know, create a bunch of bodies. You could probably sideboard this in against certain decks, and it'll be pretty great against like a like a mid range creature matchup. Five mana, three three threes, pretty good. Yeah, I will say, like in the blink deck, it's really only good if you can target it with like a creature or something, like a Revelark or a Flicker Wisp or something, like uh, because the the instant sorcery ETBs would make the copies also bounce, and then oh, yeah, this is that not doesn't good with really do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't know this is on Arena. Phyrexian Metamorph? That's cool. Uh, well, Phyrexian Metamorph is very good. That's uh, three and a Phyrexian for a zero zero, but you have it enters a copy of any artifact or creature. And unlike a lot of the modern clones, this one's older. Uh, this one, you can copy your opponent's stuff too. So it uh, just gives you the best thing on the battlefield. I mean, this has been a Vintage Cube mainstay for, what, a decade? <laughs> so uh, very good yeah. card. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, it's three in a Phyrexian blue, so you can actually cast this for three mana, which is incredible. When you when you have this and see double in the pack, I am not seeing double. I'm taking this uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost every time. There's a Phoenix of Ash here. That's the three mana two two flying haste, and you can escape it. It's whatever. Replaceable. Um, I would take Rampaging Raptor over it even. Yep. Uh, I don't even know what this thing does. Futurist Spell Thief, 3 mana, 3-2 three, flash. When it ETBs, conjure a duplicate of target spell into your hand. That spell perpetually gains. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast this. So your opponent plays like a precursor golem, right? You flash this in in response. Then you get a precursor golem in your hand. And if it wasn't colorless, you could cast it for any mana. This does, I mean, this just draws a card. This seems bad. Yeah, this is one that like the floor can be really low and the ceiling can be really high. It just kind of depends what's going on. But then like you got to take a turn off kind of to play the thing that you just copied. Your opponent kind of gets to do their thing first with it. Um, I guess since you can do this on their turn at instant speed, you maybe can take advantage of the card first. It really depends on what you're copying with this. Yeah, like are you supposed to get a counter spell with this and then use it against their counter spell i don't i don't really think this one is good um i mean would you ever play a three mana three two <laughs> conditional flash draw card in, in like a in like an arena cube i probably wouldn't unless you have like a ton of counters and like think so yeah i mean this is a card that like actually kind of seems exciting as far as just like in any other format i would be like oh wow this is actually quite good i'm surprised how many I, there must be like a a copy cards archetype in this format because we've hmm. got C double metamorph and this spell thief in the same pack like 
feels yeah. like that's a, a sub theme going on here. That said, I mean, I think I'd rather have this over C double like that. This at least leaves a three, two on the, on the ground that gives you something. And then like, you can get a copy of that, whatever card you're copying in your hand, you do have to then pay for the copy, which isn't all that fun. Yeah. Um, like it feels like it should also say return the original spell to its owner's hand or something, right? Like, a I don't know. Yeah. Like a remand effect, almost. effect. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. This one seems like junk. I would take metamorph over it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Next up, Dromokas Command. This one's great. Uh, Green-white for an instant. This is uh, the, the modal uh, command, but this one is one of the better ones. You can use it most often as a give one of your things a plus one, plus one counter, and then uh, have it fight something else. But you can also make them sack an enchantment or prevent all damage and instant or sorcery with deal. So maybe if you're about to get burnt out with a lightning strike, you can counter it with a D command. Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, it's double-colored, so you're not looking to take too many of those super early. You usually want to stay... A little bit more open even though you can uh pick up some good fixing in the arena cube but even i mean this is in vintage cube where you can just reliably play like a four color pile and it'll be good uh in arena cube you tend to want to stay to like one to two to three colors and uh only go past that in the most extreme of scenarios <laughs> which i never do right no <laughs> you're not well, you're not really known for nonsense ben let's let's be honest here if I take like a lightning strike or something, pack one, pick one, I can't see myself ending up with like a Golos Yorian deck or something like that. Right. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> did I mention that this is an actual pack one, pick one for me and that uh, I did this like 15 minutes ago? <laughs> anyway, uh, next card up is Bomat Courier. This, this little guy is still going. Um, one man, one man haste. And it kind of draws you a new hand if you can get in with it a couple times. Uh, great in mono red. And that's kind of it. You don't really want this anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, it, it's pretty phenomenal in that <laughs> deck, though. It's like probably the best one drop in the deck if you can put that nice mono red deck together. Mm -hmm. I don't think Goblin Guides on Arena, right? Probably not. Not to be my too knowledge. good. Oh boy, another uh, alchemy card. Let's see. Absorb energy. One blue, blue, instant. Counter target spell. Cards in your hand that share a card type with that spell perpetually gain this spell costs one less to cast. Windmill slam. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> this is junk, dude. This is a, this I is mean, a, it's, a, it's a better cancel. Yeah. But how much better? <laughs> like if you're playing, let's say, look at your average control deck hand. Like if you drafted a blue white control deck in cube and you counter the three drop creature spell, now all the creature yeah, spells in your hand cost less. I no, mean, you can, remand is oh no, re, little remand isn't, but reprieve has to be in this, right? Um, the, the white uh, one. I don't know. I don't know. That uh, I mean, that there is two mana ways to interact in this cube, and this is this seems bad. Yeah, but if you counter any instant with it, your control deck is now in god mode. <laughs> That's true. It, well, your hand is. But what happens if you have like a, an enough. immortal sun in hand or a planeswalker in hand? Like it, this just isn't that good. I don't think. No, I, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, though, it is it is just a cancel with upside. So like, if you mm -hmm. need a cancel in your deck, this will do fine. I, I'm not first picking this, um, <laughs> but. If you need a three mana counter spell, then you're better off taking this than something like cancel. <laughs> yeah, honestly, just watch my uh, my my first Yorian. This is going to get countered by an absorb energy out of like a blue green deck, and then they'll play like a hoof or something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up is Valky, God of Lies slash Tybalt Cosmic Imposter. That's the uh, the old flip Tybalt, uh, the good Tybalt, we should say. Uh, yeah, I mean. This one is good in both modes. I, I guess you want to be 
I don't know. This type of uh, disruption effect is best. I mean, it's always decent, right? It's always a two for one until I can answer it. Problem is Valky, it's not like Kite Cell Freebooter where you take a good removal spell that they would otherwise spend on the Kite Cell Freebooter or maybe your next play and it kind of adds a layer of insulation. Valky, you take a creature. So if they have like a bolt or a, a path or something in hand, then they can still just use it on the Valky and get their creature back. So that mode isn't great. The Tybalt Cosmic Imposter mode is great though. I mean... This one was a win con and standard for a pretty long time. So, uh, and also, I'm pretty sure if you flip it or get some way to free cast it, you can cast either side. I don't know. The, the way this one works with the rules is wacky. Uh, I don't know what interactions like that are in the cube. Um, but if you can find a way to cheat Tibble Cosmic Imposter into play, you should do it. And last card in the pack here, this is one you're a fan of Kenrith, the returned king, the, uh, the group hugs all star. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, he won't be returning in Wilds of Eldraine, but um, I this is just like a phenomenal limited card overall. Like, mm. so much flexibility. Five mana, five, five off up front is not amazing in like an arena cube, but all of these effects are pretty useful and you can really make this work in almost any deck. So, I, I like the flexibility of Kenrith. Um, I probably would go with that here, not knowing anything about the structure of this cube, because I do think it kind of keeps you open and leaves you with a solid card that can be played in most decks. Mm -hmm. Whereas pretty much everything, except maybe the Phyrexian Metamorph, I'd probably just take the Metamorph over Kenra, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. Metamorph is literally going to keep you the most open because it can go in every, literally every deck. I mean... Right now, a pretty cool new feature I'm seeing on 17 lands. Uh, it has the ALSA, the average last CNET. And I'm assuming that is for, you know, the Arena Cube and not, you know, th these cards home, uh, I guess, sets, right? Like this isn't the Lightning Strike from DMU. This is like in the Arena Cube. So it says that the ALSA for Lightning Strike, for example, is 5.05. .05. So uh, this is on average seen uh, and taken pick five. So I did take the Lightning Strike here out of this pack. I think... I probably should have gone with the Metamorph. Um, and the more I think about it, the, the more I would have preferred to have a Metamorph in my deck. Uh, I did wind up in five-color Golos Yorian pile, and that deck could have used the Metamorph to blink and flicker with Yorian and do all that fun stuff with. But uh, honestly, I don't hate the Lightning Strike in it either. I can support the red mana in the beginning. Like the early game, I have some of the red interaction spells, um, some multicolored interaction spells that I can support early as well. So I'm just curious what uh, what the lowest Alsa in this pack is. And honestly, it, it uh, Metamorph is 4.95. Uh, looks like there's no windmill slams here. 4.88 for Valky. And the lightning strike was 5. Yeah, so honestly, it looks like Metamorph, Strike, and Valky... If we're going to go with the, uh, the the will of the community, are the top cards in this pack. So, I mean, they're within uh, just a few points of each other. Um, although Valky is a little below the Metamorph, which is a little bo below the Strike. But uh, after that, it's just like an, a, an Edict, and then that, that's kind of it. Maybe this pack's just not good. I mean, there's nothing in here that categorizes as like a first three picks, right? Yeah. Well, I yeah, guess it's, it's a little bit all over the place, but... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. need something really busted for it to have an Alsa near one to three, right? In that range, meaning people take it on average between, you know, first to fifth pick. 
but no, there's no card in here that stands out that way. I don't know. It's also the, the Arena Cube. I haven't even been keeping up with it in that long. So uh, excited to kind of wade back in and, and, uh, and see what's going on in the cube. All right. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, what's going on? Not too much. Uh, big Teferi is that uh, the five metal one? Big, big Teferi? Five fairy right. to, to five E? Uh, is that I've got the card back, the, uh, the the ring. So that's that's pretty cool. I'm very excited about that. Uh, little Teferi, uh, I'm getting a bunch more cards from Modern. Um, I, I mentioned last week on the show that I got to play my beloved uh, Stoneblade, Flicker, Orzhov, Scam nonsense. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And the uh, Modern RCQ season's coming up. So I'm going to lean a little more heavily into that, try to figure out what's going on in Modern and uh, just beat a bunch of one rings. <laughs> somehow <laughs> uh if i thought to use them that what are they they can't they can't activate them if they're in the graveyard right so uh, i'll just uh have fun with all that so i'm looking forward to the modern season for sure uh i guess a, are you a, allowed a little... to say that on this show <laughs> look it is a little anti-chaff but uh don't worry i still slipped some chaff in there i've got the ephemerates in there from uh, uh what was it the mystical archive version of the ephemerates that was chaff for sure yeah in that printing it was yeah mm, yeah um my i'd say a, a little tibble i guess the two mana the red red tibble the bad one um is that they just printed a bunch of new arts for a bunch of cards that i just got for modern uh notably leyline of sanctity uh which is the yep. white one that gives you hexproof. uh rest in peace i just got like four of yep. them and now they're gonna re- reprinted i spent like four bucks a piece on them <laughs> Now they're going to be like 10 cents with way better art. So, yep. <laughs> cool. These WOT arts, these enchantments are some of oh. my favorite arts ever made. Like they're great. I, I mentioned in the discord, there are 12 of them that I'm looking to get for <laughs> one deck. Oh man. Uh, it was the deck that I mentioned that I built last week. Um, I'm going to, which I'm still not telling you what that is. Uh, Hmm. but there are there are nine currently in the deck and then there are three flex spots that i'm like considering running uh three of the other ones and interesting well now they're getting reprinted so i may just slot them in because they shouldn't be too hard to get a hold of pre-release is gonna be fun i'm very excited to see which ones i open (laughs) oh yeah absolutely same and i think this time around we made this mistake in brothers war where we didn't talk about the mystical archives cards at all um yeah archives i just keep calling them all mystical archives i know that's not the bonus sheet cards this time we will absolutely be addressing the bonus sheet cards in our uh, in our breakdown uh, next week next week man yeah and pre-release yeah, is, is right wow. on the corner so but that's another uh another big teferi but a tibble is that i'm basically i have like one week left of summer and uh, i have to spend a good amount of it prepping for school so anywho what's up yeah, so uh, my Teferi is that, um, well, last weekend we I went down to Maryland for my brother's bachelor party. We did cool. like this camp out thing. So we camped over Friday night and then all of Saturday we played paintball in the woods with like, and it was like a massive event. There were like thousands of people there. There were tanks. Whoa. Like it, it was like a wild, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, did the tanks shoot? paintballs or did they shoot? So essentially what they are is they're like they're like vans like big uh-huh. vehicles trucks or vans or whatever that people armor up with like they put like wood all over them and then they cut holes in and have people inside with paintball guns that can just that stick their barrels nuts. out of the holes and just light people up and then there's that usually someone 
there's someone on top that's like sitting on a turret style. Like they cut part of the roof out or yeah, whatever. And, and they, yeah, they can like spin around and take people out. And then like some people on our team had like anti-tank, like art- arm armory or whatever. Like they had, they had like grenades and stuff. I don't know. It's pretty wild. Um, huh. I don't know said, if went so deep. It's evolved a lot. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. That said, uh, running around crouching and like, kind of in the leaves and stuff for like six hours straight is really taxing on your body and mm. uh you're wearing a bunch of gear and stuff it's not exactly the the like easiest thing in the world uh so i it was pretty tiring um which i'll get kind of into in my table my other the other part of my teferi is that i so i mentioned last week i built a new edh deck that i'm really excited about I've been kind of on a tear. I built two new ones today. <laughs> um, nice. I don't know if that's yeah. allowed on this show. <laughs> oh, come on. We love Commander here. Yeah, that's true. Um, one of them is also definitely a chaff deck. I built a slime foot deck finally, uh, which I'm <laughs> nice, super nice. excited about. And then, Did you put the, uh, one good, uh, the one good sapperling card in, the one with buyback and convoke? Yes. Yeah, that's in there. Oh man. All right. That that that's gonna be a pretty good. I don't know if I would call that like really good. I mean, I guess with the convoke, it's pretty solid. But it's five with the buyback. It's five mana. Make one one. Make a one one sapperling. (laughs) Yeah, but once you get a couple more sapperlings, and then you can kind of just itself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yes, there are a lot of there are a lot of really bad sapperlings in there. There are some good ones, Um, and I I had to make some limitations i would say because like most people who run sapperling will add like zulaport cutthroat and blood artists and makes sense i i was i i gave myself the constraint if it doesn't belong in a forest it doesn't go in the deck (laughs) (laughs) so uh, interesting interesting Um, the other one that i built today was um desparked narset so like the newer oh she gives all your creatures prowess and then um when she attacks, you can recast a card, an instant or sorcery from your graveyard with mana value less than her power. So that's cool. It's a, a more modern approach to the, like the spell slinger kind of prowessy type thing, which I don't, I haven't had a deck like that in a while. So I'm excited to kind of have that. Just got prowess. Big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hold on. You get a, you get the whole spread today then. I mean, that's, that's all five colors. That is all five colors. Yeah. That's clean. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Um, I doubt I'll have any of, I might get the slime foot deck pretty soon. Cause that's actually like, that's less than a hundred bucks. It's, it's like super inexpensive. Um, the other deck that I am not telling you what it is, is I'm blinging that out. Like, I'm so excited for that deck. It's going to look incredible. Okay. Then I definitely don't want to see it before, before it's done. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really awesome. Anyway, my tibble is that I'm really exhausted. I think I mentioned last week, like I was just kind of fried. Like I last week was just one thing after another i never really had any time to stop and rest and uh that hasn't really stopped yet um hopefully this week i can rest a bit um and then my last tibble is that uh yesterday i did something really no two days ago i did something really stupid and um i was cooking and normally when i cook i don't finish things in the oven but I was making chicken and and I'll normally butterfly chicken breast, but to this, this particular dish, I didn't do that. So to finish the chicken breast, I put the pan in the oven and 
uh, went about doing some other things. I pulled it out with a mitt, you know, like a normal person would put it on the stove, turned back to my, turned back to my cutting board, finished up some, something over there. And then when I turned back to the stove, I just grabbed the handle of the pan that just came out of a 400 degree oven. Yeah. Just completely barehanded. And, um, yeah, that hurt. Uh, luckily (laughs) I didn't do like any real severe damage. I've had many, much worse burns before. Um, but, uh, I can hardly feel anything in my fingertips right now. So hopefully there's no like serious nerve damage or anything. Yikes. Uh, as long as you can still flick shuffle cards for, uh, for, for pre-release in a week and a half or so, then. Yeah, we should be good. We'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. On to our listener question of the week. And this week we have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to see more gimmicks such as the one ring? Because this one ring, honestly, this dominated not only kind of like the, the general limited discourse, but the entire magic discourse. And honestly, the, the gaming discourse, I mean, I had friends who uh, know I play magic and, and it, they would come up to me and be like, you're trying to get that ring? <laughs> and it'd be, an, it'd be a fun jumping off point because everyone heard about this. If you were even slightly adjacent to like the, the magic ecosphere, all collectible card games just made a splash and a lot of just nerdism in general. So uh, this was obviously highly effective. Will they be able to pull this off again with like Fallout universes beyond stuff? Will people be clamoring for? I, I don't see that happening. I think this was a, a unique one, but it was obviously so successful that I think they're going to try to emulate it somehow. Uh, I, I doubt we're seeing serialized cards go away anytime soon, which, you know, I guess I can't knock that too much. <laughs> Occasionally you open a, a value booster. So um, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think folks? Uh, let us know in discord, maybe in like the, in the random section. And while you're in the, in the discord, letting us know, hit us up with some more listener questions. All right, on to our main topic, and of course, this week it is, well, a bit bittersweet. It's our format farewell for Lord of the Rings. This has been a really fun format, and I think we're both, Ben and I, are both sad to see it go, but we're also very excited to get something new and kind of see where things go. So if you're new to the show, we typically do a format farewell every set, and this is kind of just to say goodbye to the set. We're going to go through, give some Chaffee Awards away to certain cards for various topics, and um, we'll kind of wrap up here with some of our uh, expectations for the next set coming up. Yep. Time to uh, hit up the Grey Havens, send these ships full of Chaff cards packing off into the blessed beyond or whatever <laughs> uh let's start with our first one which is the chaffee for the most powerful card in the format what do you got i really just went out of memory i haven't drafted as much of this set nearly as you have been um, not many people have <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough but unfair mirror and the palantir of Orthonk came to mind as two of the more powerful cards in the set yep uh, Unfair Mirror is probably the, the worst to play against. It feels like the most powerful thing happening on the board. Uh, but I think that's because games usually last a couple turns after you've played Faramir. Uh, if, if we go by some of the stats, it looks like Andriel, the, uh, the, the sword, was the strictly best card in the set. It's colorless. It's basically a sword, uh, like a protection sword of X and Y. But it doesn't have the protection. Instead, it just makes tokens, which are even better because then they can wear the sword. Uh, it's, it's very strong. I never actually got to play with it. I, I played against it a bunch, but uh, I just never opened it. And <laughs> we all know no one's passing it. So, <laughs> uh, 
I just never got that one uh, come my way. I will say Palantir. Uh, people did pass that one because they didn't they didn't quite understand what it was, but uh, I never passed Palantir. That was definitely one of the most powerful cards in the set too. We got to shout out Bowmasters though, Orcish Bowmasters, yeah. um, making a splash in literally every format. Uh, it's 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 pretty great. Um, and a, a couple more power inclusions here: uh, the One Ring and uh, Horn of Gondor. These two took work, you know. I, I think people might have expected to say us to say those for, for the most powerful card in the format, but no, these ones are not worthy of the chaffy. You couldn't just, I mean, I, I beat people after they resolved the Horn of Gondor because they had no other humans in their deck, you know. And you, you're still supposed to play in a no humans deck, I think, but uh, it doesn't always, yeah. you know, go off. And I've definitely died to my own one ring a bunch of times, <laughs> and, uh, and I've definitely seen other people die to theirs. Although somehow when they have it, they always have the fling, you know. <laughs> Well, speaking of, uh, let's move on to our next one, which is the least powerful card in the set. This is the worst of the worst, something that actively harms you. I think the ring takes the cake here. Like, <laughs> it just, like, it literally kills you. <laughs> this is a flavorful pick, I, I will say. But uh, the, the ring is, look, the Chaffee we define to be the card that can actively harm you the most by putting it in your deck and playing it. And yeah, the, the ring definitely can do that. <laughs> it does give you a lot of advantage before it does, though. Uh, I, yeah, I, think I wouldn't say this is with. actually the worst card in the set, right? But uh, in terms of actively harming you, it's probably one of the few cards we've had in quite a while that that does just oh, that. Yeah, it's an all timer for that. But as far as like actual low power, like put it in your deck if you want to lose more. Uh, Hugh the Entwood is up there for me. That's the uh, like the five mana scape shift thing, except you might not even hit five lands. Um, yeah. There was the Watcher in the Waters too. That one was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I liked playing that one though. <laughs> um, there was like a white equipment rare, I think. I don't know. I just, you don't read those. Like after a weekend of the set, you're like, okay, it's the equipment thing. What's the best uncommon? <laughs> yeah, I think um, the other one that came to mind for me was Last March of the Ends, which I don't actually think was like the worst mm. card. It was actually kind of good if you could put it in the right deck and actually get to cast it and stuff. But I mean, it's like an eight mana card that just like draws you more stuff. Like if you're not winning the game by by the time you can play an eight, eight mana spell, like what are you doing? Yeah, or, or like when you cast it and then they kill your four four and then you get to draw one card off your eight mana. Right. <laughs> eight mana yeah, cycling. Exactly. Next up is the Chaffee for the most annoying card. What do you got? Yeah, for me this was literally any one power ring bearer. <laughs> <laughs> I just Whatever like was on the field. Yeah, I mean, the the ring bearer mechanic ended up being something that could be really annoying in just about any sort of scenario. I mean, as long as someone built their deck a little bit to really care about having a ring bearer and using that properly, it can get really annoying really fast. That said, of course, we kind of already talked touched on it. Unfair Amir just obviously is really annoying to play. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ben a lot of these most powerful cards are kind of concede while it's on the stack cards and mm -hmm. unfair wasn't that like you did actually feel like you could beat it and then a few turns would go by and you're like oh no i just can't um <laughs> yeah and that's annoying yeah that feels bad yeah the, the, what usually happens is they cast on their turn you're tapped out and then it goes back to you and you're like okay it's a four mana three three etb draw card that's no big deal as long as i draw the removal spell this turn like the claim the precious or the smite the deathless and then you draw your card. It's obviously not that. And then you're like, okay, pass. You don't attack. And then they pass back. And you're like, all right. Now, if I draw the removal spell, it's kind of just like a four mana three three ETB draw two. That's good, but that's still beatable. 
you draw it, it's not that. And then this this goes on for a couple turns until uh, they've accrued like five cards worth of value. You haven't been attacking, so they don't get an, an army of one ones. Uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, for most annoying card for my Chaffee, I have the uh, Frodo Baggins. Honestly, <laughs> just seeing like a green white deck, it's like every time the green white deck had Frodo on two, it would get followed with like five rare legends. And they would just win after that because Frodo on two followed by a bunch of legends is actually really good. Um, occasionally a green white deck wouldn't play Frodo on two and then you would just wipe the floor with them. Uh, I, I will also shout out the, the ring because the ring does have, it does have that invalidation aspect to it where every single thing that happened before it, like all the creatures you built out, well, they get a turn of protection and then they get to draw three kill spells or something. So uh the, the ring was pretty annoying to play against it was sometimes even annoying to cast yourself <laughs> like do do i activate this do i not will i draw the fling or no so next up is our chaffee for best jank what have you what have you got ben uh all right i have a couple little packages in here uh great hall at the citadel slash woes pathfinders they get they win a a joint chaffee for being like the multicolored green splash deck although you, with great hall at the citadel you didn't even have to be green uh people towards the end of the format started going pretty deep where they would just take like as many great halls as they could in pack one and then they would not pass a single legend for the rest of the draft and there were a lot of good legends, right? Even some of the uh, the blue-green ones stood up on their own if you could find a couple ways to scry. So, and, and what was Pathfinder, of course, ramping and fixing um, was pretty good in this format, too. And occasionally, I did beat opponents by activating Woe's Pathfinder's second ability. Uh, honestly, Woe's Pathfinder may be a draft chaff cube inclusion. It's, it's a very good two-mana mana dork. <laughs> and it's obviously chaff. Uh, another little pairing I liked was uh, Shadowfax plus Eagles of the North. Uh, you could attack with Shadowfax. The Eagles had three power uh, for six mana, which was bad because most of the power of the card was contained in giving all of your stuff 1-0 in first strike. So then you attack with the Shadowfax, put in the Eagles. It's a massive amount of damage coming out of nowhere, and your whole board is first strike. So what are they going to do? <laughs> Block? Uh, that, that was a pretty good janky interaction. And honestly... I love Watch from the Water. I, I got it to work like twice. Uh, and I don't think I ever saw anyone else get it to work. <laughs> uh, I, 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 no, actually, I, I take that back. Sorry, Watcher. You don't, you don't get this. I'm deleting that from the show notes. Watcher doesn't deserve this one. It, it was not good. <laughs> but it was jank. Yeah, fair How enough. You? Yeah, I think for me, the most fun I had in the format was when I had Ugluk and Mauhure. And then, like, literally any other goblins, or especially if you have any cards that amass, because, like, yeah. mass goblins or orcs or whatever, like, you don't mind just kind of throwing away. In fact, you, you kind of want to do that so that your other amass cards get better value. And so, like, you'd throw one of them away, then, like, you'd put a counter on the thing, and then Ugluk would do the, you'd get two counters, and then you'd actually get more counters from Mauhir, and they just worked really well together. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit slow, and I don't think quite as, like, in your face as the Shadowfax Eagles combo, but uh, when that went off, it felt really fun. Our next Chaffy, the Chaffiest Chaff. Uh, that's if it's really good and limited, but it's never going to see play in Constructed or maybe even in Commander. It, it's this is probably it's it's one and done. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, Aimer was the first that came to mind for me. Is a draft chaff hero. For, yeah, you know, not for bad reason and. Uh, 
the one of the best cards in this format, but yes, yeah, never. I mean, it might see play in like some Lord of the Rings centered commander deck, which I guess is technically constructed, but like it's not a competitive card. It's not something anybody's really going to want to like keep their hands on. And you're definitely going to see these laying around the draft table. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of sad because of it. I mean, five mana, five, four haste, make a one, one, one of the tax. That's a reasonable card, but in this day and age, like it doesn't have trample. It doesn't have flying. Like they, they would, they could print that slightly tuned down. Like what if instead it was like a four mana, three, two flyer. It's like a, I don't know. It's like a Naya card and it, but it's the same text. Like they would put that in a commander deck, right? Uh, sure, or something. But like this, this thing—it's just too awkward. It's too bulky. It costs five. Uh, no, you're not putting this in anything else. I also had Aimer as my top pick. Uh, Voracious Fell Beast came to mind as well. Uh, Rangers of Athelion—that was a very strong one. That uh, we'll talk about this a little more later. But the fact that so much of these cards' value is uh, present in, in the tempting aspect. And tempting is what they call a parasitic mechanic where it exists in this set and it will never see another printing unless they somehow do more Lord of the Rings cards down the line. So you're never going to see like, I don't know, for example, Infect is an example of uh, when the mechanic had enough support and was constructed playable. Like people can still play Infect in Modern. I don't recommend it, but you can. It has, you know, the stuff there to make the deck. Uh, but this just there's no way you could put together like a tempting deck that would be able to compete viably in like a legacy tournament or something. So for that reason, Rangers of Athelion and other tempting cards, they lose a lot of their cross applicability, um, making them all pretty much universally chaff, which is great for deck builders. Great for, uh, I guess, Lord of the Rings aficionados that might want to build a Lord of the Rings commander deck at some point. And mm. also Pelagir Survivor. <laughs> nice little card. Maybe a draft draft cube card. All right. So next up is our Chaffee for, well, we kind of just call this one whoops <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> this is the card or mechanic or idea in the set that we just got completely wrong in the format breakdown. I think one stood out above the rest. What was it, Ben? Tempting. Well, also Scry. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but mostly also Tempting. Scry. Tempting was, it was by far underestimated by, I think, the, everyone. Maybe other people knew it, but I don't know. When I see these types of effects now, um, like Venture into the Dungeon, uh, Tempting, anything where they pull out that weird little extra card that you have to read, uh, the Undercity from uh, that one uh, Baldur's Gate set, right? I'm going to start looking at these a little more closely and, and assume they're probably better. Like I said, if they're containing some of the value of the card within that aspect of it, that self-contained aspect that doesn't have a lot of cross applicability um, in contrast to a card like Tarmogoyf, which will synergize with everything forever and only get better. Uh, this, it, it just, it, it's never going to get improved by something. They're not going to print a card that says like, Oh, when you get tempted, this happens in another standard set. So right. uh, I, I think because of that, we all kind of looked at it like, Oh, it's this set's gimmick and uh, it'll be fine in the context of the set. Hopefully. Um, but we can't expect much else of it. Turns out it was very good in the set context, uh, especially in limited. So uh, shout out to Tempting. And uh, we, we also kind of, at least I overvalued the Scry deck. I thought the Scry deck was going to be sick, but, uh, and it was sometimes, but. 
Yeah. yeah. It, it needed a lot of work to be like really good. And only the best versions of the deck I felt like actually were worth playing. Um, but I, I do want to circle back. So I would say too, like the thing with that made tempting so much better than I think I gave it credit for was something like venture into the dungeon. We had, you know, you had these like kind of um, individual little rewards that you'd get for venturing, you, mm. you know, it was gain some life. Maybe you draw a card, whatever. And then you'd like cycle back and you would do those things again, but they were still like every time you ventured, you got some little incremental value mm-hmm. tempted by the ring just got better and better. Each of the like levels stacked on each other. And then since you could yeah. move the ring bearer thing around, you could take advantage of those for the rest of the game. And so mm-hmm you did a little bit of work up front and you, you were good to go. The, the venture in a dungeon thing didn't really quite have that. And they tried to build that in by saying like having some cards say, if you've completed a dungeon X, Y, Z, but it just really didn't have the same level of oomph, I guess that the tempting mechanic did in this format. So, um, I think that's probably what led to me, um, you know, misevaluating this, but, um, I'm actually pleasantly surprised that I was wrong with this one. I think it was, it turned out to be a really cool part of the format. Next up are uh, our top drafted commons. Chaffee goes to our, our top common. Uh, what was yours? So I had, apparently I had some mishaps with my 17 <laughs> lands data. I just went and looked um, and there's only one recorded event for me. It was a trophy. Huh. So, Hey, that's, that's fun. Nice. Uh, a seven, one event. But for some reason, I must have not had 17 lands running on my computer accidentally, or maybe I did. I know I did a handful of them on my phone, so that was probably also part of what fed into that. But um, Mm -hmm. it looks like my top drafted common was Swarming of Moria, and I had like two copies of it. (laughs) I guess that counts. That that got counted by 17 lands. Well, uh, you'll be proud of mine. I had drafted a... 59 copies of Arwen's Gift, the four slash three mana scry two draw two. Uh, that, that was a good card. Uh, then my second one, which I have to shout out because I'm proud of myself for this one, 49 copies of Smite the Deathless. I took that card highly and I played a lot of red. Um, also, I did end up finishing uh, 24th overall finishing. I know it's still going, but as of release or recording, at least uh, I'm 24th in traditional trophies with 24 trophies in traditional draft. So uh, I think I had up, upwards of 30 on the uh, the draft draft discord. Definitely hop in there. Honestly, keeping track of our trophies and that has been a lot of fun. And we will look, we will look to see who gets the, uh, the most in this next set or even who gets the first. Uh, although I will say some of our, our European friends have, <laughs> have a, uh, an edge on us. In that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up is our worst bad card to lose to. What you got, Ben? I had Mithril Coat. This was the three mana flash uh, auto equipped to a legend. And then you could pay three to equip it to anything. Uh, this just gave the creature indestructible. This, this was just so inefficient, right? And like you could usually see it coming from a mile away, but sometimes you wouldn't. And because like the combat math wouldn't change, but you'd be like, oh, like their thing lives now or it can just block my five five forever or it, it was it was just a stupid card and you hated losing to it uh, i did actually lose to a uh, gimli mournful avenger once that was the uh, the red green gimli that like got counters when stuff died and then 
did something else. I don't even remember, but, but that, that was embarrassing. And then a long list of the ends. Sometimes when your opponent had it on turn one, uh, they would actually just run away with it because their you know, next three creatures came in bigger than they should have been. Uh, rarely did you see it come down on turn six or seven. I think because people were usually too embarrassed to cast it. And maybe once or <laughs> twice I did see people like play on turn seven and then it just does stone cold nothing. So uh, there was a, I guess, a little debate at the beginning of the format, like whether or not long list of the ends would be good. I think we pretty quickly figured out that it was awful. And then I did lose to it maybe once or twice. How yeah, not exactly the card you're looking at top deck. Um, for me, I, you know, actually, when I was thinking about this one, I couldn't come up with anything really specific off the top of my head. I, I don't know that I, maybe I didn't play enough of the format. Maybe I just got lucky in that none of the games I played against, I had those situations where I was like, ah, oh, man, really? I'm going to lose to this. Um, I think in theory, Mithril Coat is probably the one for me as well, just because of the, the scenarios you described, like mm-hmm. one of the, like, where like, yeah, the math doesn't change and you just kind of are like, okay, well, how do I deal with this thing? Eventually, like someone's going to have to deck themselves or whatever. Like if, if this is just going to stalemate forever. Um, but yeah, I never actually had an experience in this format where I, I felt like, you know, like the grown test where I was just like, ah, why, why is this happening? Yeah. At one point in the format, I thought, a card for this would have been dreadful is the storm. Uh, but I no longer think that's a bad card. I think it was actually just pretty solid. Yeah, the three mana makes something base power and toughness five, five until in a turn and tempt. Turns out that was actually just, you know, like a good blue combat trick. Next up, uh, we've got our pet card, not to be confused with card we want as a pet. What was your pet card? It had to be Horn of Gondor. Anything that does a good Cranko impression is gonna, <laughs> is gonna take the cake for me. Yeah, that one does a very good Cranko impression. Uh, I would say Doors of Durin for me. I really liked in like the, the five color green decks with like, cause you could cast it off of Woe's Pathfinder or Great Hall because it was legendary. So uh, you didn't have to like splash around with it. You could just cast it off of Great Hall, the Citadel. I thought that was a cool interaction. Uh, and then just attack and hope you had a big thing on top. Uh, sometimes you wouldn't and you'd look pretty stupid, <laughs> but, uh, or the best case is when you, uh, would take so the, the thing is with doors of Durin, you attack scry two and then flip the top card of your library if it's a creature it comes and tapped and attacking and then it gets like hex proof if you have a, an elf and trample if you have a dwarf um until like your next turn which is really silly one time i had an opponent put something into play and i was like oh okay at least i can kill that thing on on my turn with this sorcery and then i couldn't i was like what oh they have an elf it's it's just still it just blanks my sorcery speed removal that's nuts um anywho the real fun with doors of Durin is when you bottom both and then just blind flip off the top that's that that might push it towards draft draft cube inclusion maybe as one of my personal inclusions in, in my copy uh i wouldn't I, I don't know if it's worth putting in every copy <laughs> oh i also liked uh rise of the witch king felt that one was pretty hard to pass um you could cycle one, either the, the black or the green uh, basic cycler and then get it back on turn four. And those both happen to be very good ones to reanimate early. Maybe even on turn three if you had a Woe's Pathfinder. Uh, big fan of those. So next up is our Chaffee for the Banhammer. This is the card that we think the format would be better without. Really, 
not so sure we have a real contender here. I mean, there were probably yeah. a few cards in there that were designed for commander that just didn't need to be in there from a limited perspective, but there weren't any like dream trawler style cards in this format. It, everything felt pretty mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Not, not much soapboxing to be done on this one. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, I mean, Aragorn, the Uniter, I saw people cast it. Right. And that was like a fun challenge. I, I would probably have removed Tom Bombadil and just put him in one of the, the commander decks straight up with mm. like a pre-con based around sagas could have reprinted some of the ones. I don't think many sagas are that expensive or hard to find. Because a lot of them, I mean, they, they rarely break into constructive play. But uh, I, I don't think he needed to be in this set. And then every time you'd open it and be like, oh, sweet, a five-color mythic that I can't do anything with. And it's like one of the best creatures, even characters from the set. And I just, I, it'd be ridiculous to build a saga deck in Limited. So uh, yeah. that one was was kind of a bummer. Uh, I, I think, not not nothing against Tom Bombadil, but probably should have been in the in one of the pre-cons or one of the other there, there were so many other random products just put them in like the collector's boosters or something give us like a real five color legend that we could have put in decks next up the chaffee for not a card but for a vector now this is the chaffee for the vector that made you sad what do you got yeah it was the foodstuffs thing i'm a, you know i love i love like the food decks and i was really excited yeah. that there was like a whole vector this time around and it just didn't really work yeah, well, don't worry. I think uh, I think Wilds of Eldraine's got you covered. <laughs> looks like it. Looks like it. Did you see the cards that was spoiled today called Food Fight? Yeah, well, I saw Food Fight, Food Comas, another one that was spoiled. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there'll be some good food cards for you from that one. Uh, for me, it was Scry. I, I loved the Scry deck when it came together, uh, which was rare. But it was usually like... Maybe like three cards in, you pack one, pick one Rangers of Athelion, and then you take like a Saruman's Trickery, and then you get an Arwen, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can, I can do this. Or you get like an Elrond or something. Uh, we might have already mentioned this story on the podcast, but uh, LSV drafted Scry at the Pro Tour um, after he got like a pick six Elrond, and then wield uh, or he and he had the the elrond there pick six and then wield it and then took it like with like one or two cards left in the pack and then opened the second one in pack two and he was already kind of in bluish tangential and he was like all right i guess we'll do this he was the only scry drafter he got everything his deck was one of the best scry decks i've ever seen and it went one two and e. if if lsv can't do it i'm not going to presume that well, I mean, he, he did face against Battle of the Bywater a couple times, which is rough to face if you're playing blue-green because you just grow your board so much. Um, and that's a flavor fail. Battle's supposed to kill the, the goblins and orcs, but instead it hit the elves. That's, that's not cool. So uh, that one made me pretty upset. Okay, so the flip side of that, the vector that makes you glad. Uh, my Chaffee also goes to Scry <laughs> because when it does get there, I had so much more fun playing the Scry decks. It felt like you were playing Commander. And everyone else is playing like a like a limited deck, and you have like an Arwen and an Elrond and a Galadriel, and you have like five triggers on the stack. All of them are accruing your value. They're drawing cards. They're scrying. You're putting lands into play. You're making tokens. All this nonsense. Plus, you're stacking your deck. Like this is a card that says Scry three. That that can that can be good in in the right scenario. Um, the the uh, three mana Elrond that 
uh, Lord of Rivendell, I think, the one that uh, whenever a creature ETBs, you scry, and then uh, you get to tempt if it's the second time it happened. That was a big engine piece, and I, I really enjoyed the decks that could make that just kind of go off. Uh, so uh, both both uh, both of these chaffies go to scry for me. I, I'm going to misplay that deck. Understandable. Yeah. For me, it was ring bearing and goblins. I think the the goblins decks were really fun when they came together, like I mentioned, with uh, really those two kind of legends. Um, and then again, any of the ring bearing stuff, like if you built a deck that actually worked with, with Tempt and you had solid ring bearers, I just thought that worked so much better than I expected it to. So I was really happy when I was able to get one of those decks together. And it turned out to not actually be that hard. <laughs> hmm. All right, now it's time. Chaffee for the creature you want most as a pet. Let's hear it. Yeah, a little bit of a theme going on here, I see. But uh, for me, it was Bill the Pony. <laughs> like, how do you how do you turn Bill away? And Bill is surprisingly good. Uh, the one yeah. four body um, could block ring bearers, and as a ring bearer, could basically never be blocked because it was a one four that was secretly a four four. So right. Bill would sometimes just fully stall the board in, in any direction, uh, which was a little weird for a white card to do, but. It was also just a, a one for the made two food. Sometimes if you were at low life, you could just, you know, one four gain six life. And that's that's a, a thick blocker. So pretty good. Yep. Uh, on theme, yeah, mine was Shadow Facts, Lord of Horses. Shows in the meaning of haste and had a lot of co- uh, kind of fun interactions. I liked using Shadow Facts to put the Protector of Gondor into play, the 3-3 three, three that makes a 1-1. One, one. It was cool because the 1-1 one, one wouldn't come in tapped and attacking, but the 3-3 three, three would. So usually you wouldn't want the 1-1 one, one to come in attacking anyway. Uh, putting Urkenbrand in to act as like a mini overrun, similar to putting in uh, the, the Eagles of the North. That's also a little little thing there. Anything else? No, those are those are probably the best interactions with those. Um, I think I saw some of... Oh, no, maybe I did. I think I put a Gandalf the Grey into into play once, the 3-4. The <laughs> Who needs fixing, right? Yeah. All right, next up, cards never cast. Um, for me, it was a really long list. I didn't do a ton of drafting of this format. Um, pretty much all of the fun rares, I would say. I haven't haven't had the chance to draft yet. I drafted a ridiculous amount of this format, and uh, even I didn't get to draft some of these things. And the real and Sting, the uh, the equipments, I didn't touch those. Uh, I never got an Aragorn deck, which was kind of kind of sad. I mean, maybe if I see. I might still fire one or two, but with Vintage Cube and Arena Cube, it's... Sorry, Lord of the Rings, but, like, you know, you're going to fall on the wayside there. Uh, I never cast a couple obvious ones, like Shagrat the Loot Bearer and Tom Bombadil. Those cards shouldn't have been in this format. They, I don't really get why they were there. And then Chaffee for Draft Chaff Cube Inclusions. Ooh, you already you already got one that I missed entirely. That one's already in the cube. <laughs> How did I forget? Oh yeah. Well, I know we talked about it earlier, but I wasn't sure if the update had actually been made or if we had publicized it yet. So it has, yeah. So that would be Rosie Cotton of South Lane, of course. Just a really solid white creature. Um, fits a lot of the themes in the draft shaft cube with token creation, and you know she's kind of like a nice little package right she etbs to make a token and then she's you know putting a counter on something already so kind of a three mana kind of makes up the fact that she's a three mana one one i guess but um yeah super solid inclusion and probably never gonna see play in any real decks outside of limited (laughs) probably not i mean she does complete 
the infinite combo. Uh, now that the tokens counters infinite combo, I mean, this is just a huge piece of that. So she can go infinite with, I think, like three or four other cards in the cube and then a couple combinations of, of slightly more roundabout ways to get it to go infinite. But yeah, Rosie's a big part of the, the twin deck. Yeah, we really need to keep an eye on that deck. I feel like it's get, it's it's got too many infinite combos now. It's getting there. No, I don't think we will. <laughs> I think we're just going to let it lie, uh, not prod the bears too much, and uh, you know, see what happens. So, uh, a couple other ones that I was tossing around the ideas for Woe's Pathfinder. Did I already put that one in? Maybe I did. I honestly don't remember. Um, but some generic cards like Smite the Deathless might make it in someday if we're looking for like a lightning bolt effect. Uh, maybe some of the funny cards that kind of popped off towards the end of the format, like Wizards Rockets and Great Hall the Citadel. We have a good, a good number of legends in the cube, so something like Great Hall, that could actually work. Although if you could just get one, you really do want like three to make that deck work best. And then maybe we could see putting something like Last March of the Ents in for like the big massive spells deck. Um What's that one Aether Searcher, I think it is? Um, it's like a seven mana 4-4, four, four, and when it ETBs, you get to free cast a card from your sideboard. That's a fun combo with Last March of the Ents. Uh, kind of a mini, <laughs> like, dump your whole hand into play, like a tooth and nail effect. Um, yeah. And maybe Aramur we'll get in someday, too. Yeah, we do usually try to put as many of the Draft Draft Heroes as we can into the cube. There are quite a few in there, but they don't all fit, and so... Um, I think there's an argument to be made for Aimer, but probably not necessarily right now. Yeah, th this was tough because it's such a parasitic set. Like, while me, a, a huge Lord of the Rings fan, would want to put something like Frodo or Bilbo or Gollum in somehow, just the fact that some of these cards have value in their tempt abilities, and tempt abilities, you know, work best with one another, uh, there's pretty much a 0% chance any card with Tempted by the Ring ever gets into the cube uh, because there's probably a better version of it that has power somewhere else. Like maybe a different version of the card doesn't have Tempt on it, but is an instant instead of a sorcery. Like there'll always be a strictly better version of those cards elsewhere. All right, so next up is our Would You Rather Chaffee. This, this time around we're asking, would you rather never draft LTR again or be tasked with taking the Ring to Mordor? Hmm. I gotta say, they made it look pretty easy, you know? You, you get to hang out with your <laughs> friends, you get to hang out with wizards, you get Lembus, which, I mean, you don't have to cook for days, like, leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, apparently, it seemed to taste pretty good, too. Uh, potatoes, uh, rabbit, sounds like a pretty healthy diet. Um, there was a little bit of, like, internal corruption, stabbing, death. Like a small price to pay, right? Lord of the Rings is a great set, and I, I would like to draft it again. This is the type of set that I think maybe once the One Ring and honestly, uh, Orcish Bowmasters at this point too. Maybe once this hype, uh, you know, settles down a little bit, and maybe if I can find a box for a reasonable price, um, this would be the fun type of set to have. Like you just pick up a box, you let it sit on your shelf for a couple of years, and then uh, one day you're having a draft, and you're like, "Ooh, hey, everyone." Lord of the Rings. You can open a, a Bow Masters or a One Ring. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty good. And then you'll get to play with all these fun cards again. And honestly, th this is the type of set where maybe I could even convince some non-hardcore Magic players to, to join in just because it's Lord of the Rings. 
Like this isn't that complicated. The set, sure, the tempting thing that's harder, and I, and I wouldn't stick a first time player in here. But I could definitely pull some friends that you know tangentially know how to play, and maybe wouldn't play a. I don't know. Wilds of Eldraine might be a little spooky, or <laughs> uh, but they they might sit down for Lord of the Rings. So, uh, big fan of this set. I I think I could get the Ring to Mordor. You? Yeah, I mean, I can probably find an eagle or two. I, I don't think it'd be too hard to get the Ring to Mordor. Um, <laughs> Those eagles, they're no, one uh, way. That's true, but like that's half the battle, right? He, he, Frodo had to go. I guess he got he got the the back trip. I would just take them there. And then, you know, then <laughs> you're good back. to go. It's a much easier trip back. You know, it's functionally yeah. just taking a nice like cross country road trip. Um, that said, uh, yeah, I mean, the draft, the draft format was really fun. I think this was a huge success for the first like big universes beyond full set. Um, mm-hmm. They picked a great IP to do this with. I think, again, to your point, Ben, if they had tried to do like a Fortnite full set, it just would have flopped. Like nobody would have been into that. But Lord of the Rings is such a, a joke. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is such a loved IP, and they they really did treat it with respect. I know there was some controversy around some of the cards they printed in like different art styles and stuff, but that aside, like they treated the 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 IP and the the source material with a lot of respect. And I think real like diehard Lord of the Rings fans just really appreciate it, and then diehard Magic fans appreciate it as well because it really kind of blended the two really nicely i think this is the perfect set to do a set cube for i wouldn't mind actually i think mm. i may put put one of those together um Good point. because it is parasitic it's very insular but then you know um it's as you've shown the discord and uh, talked about on the show it's a format you can just keep drafting over and over again and not really get tired of so <laughs> yeah yeah surprisingly great right uh i guess i am a little concerned about how many other sets like this they'll make like how many other ips out there can we cross over with and have it be this level of quality right like i don't know i i wouldn't are they i, I forget is the uh is fallout gonna be this same thing are they doing a full set for that i don't even remember no i think it was <laughs> assassin's creed was getting a full set huh or was that the one that was one just doing them. packs I mean, I, it, yeah. in any case like it was one of the two Lord of the Rings and Magic fans, the Venn diagram crossover is enormous, right? I don't think there's that many other brands where the crossover is so on point and where it's going to it's going to flow so seamlessly, right? Like a Gandalf Lord of the Rings card. Sure. Like of course you you'd look at it like a someone's trade binder and see that. But you look in and like I don't know, you see a Fortnite character or even a Doctor Who character like which I'm a fan of, but other people just don't care at all. Like, and this one was around for a while, right? What happens when there's a set on arena that doesn't have this kind of huge mass crossover appeal? It, it'll be a little bit of a bummer. It might feel a little weird and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But this one, I got to say was a huge success as for the, uh, the way they interpreted the Lord of the Rings in its own new way. And yeah, some of the decisions they made about how to portray characters loved it uh, really just stick it to the racists. Right. Uh, and honestly, uh, at this point, like, why shouldn't people see themselves represented in their heroes? Uh, this was a great opportunity to take that mentality and own it, right? Uh, honestly, like, I, I don't think this set could have gone much better. So uh, shout out to all the people that designed the cards and especially the arts. A lot of the uh, the special print things look fantastic. Uh, the one ring gimmick was, it was a thing, right? It was funny. It got people talking, spawned 
countless years worth of discourse. So uh, that was a, su a success too, I think. Um, glad that we still got a limited format out of this, right? Like it could have been that with all this other nonsense that they had to uh, consider, they just kind of let the, the limited format slip by the wayside. But no, we still got a reasonable set with a lot of fun stuff to do and a, a cool, unique uh, mechanic and environment. So hopefully the next time they do something like this, they put just as much love and thought into the, uh, the drafting portion. Now, before we call it a show, uh, woe is me. Woe is here. <laughs> Wilds of right the corner. Yeah, uh, we have almost a full spoiler at this point. They started doing commander spoilers too, I think. So we're starting to get a lot of the cards. Um, what are you looking forward to in this set? Honestly, I don't know where to start. I don't actually know that I expect this format to be a phenomenal draft experience, but for some reason it has me more excited than I've been in a little while. Like much more excited than I was about like mom, mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe it's just because it's new and like, I, I kind of do like the like storybook kind of fairy tale esque sort of thing. It's just fun. They're doing like some silly things like scream puff. Like, come on. Uh, how do you not love that? <laughs> so <Like>, funny. <laughs> it's just incredible. And like, they're yeah they're bringing some like fun overlaps with with different um sorts of yeah fairy tales and and i i saw some po some people on twitter i think saying like i don't understand why how there's they're like pulling in fairy tales in this one they are being a little more subtle about it i think overall mm. than they did with throne of eldrain yeah. throne of eldrain was kind of in your face You're like oh yeah that's uh hansel and gretel or that's you know xyz this one feels a little bit more like they've adapted those stories into magic a little bit better, a little more seamlessly. Mm. So they, you do kind of have to look pretty hard to find them, but like, you know, it's very obvious, like Ruby is, you know, uh, going to find her grandmother or whatever, like they, Red they Riding kind Hood, of did, all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Red Riding Hood. They, they did the beanstalk thing, Jack and the beanstalk and, um, the way they handled spoilers this time around, I thought was cool with the way that they, gave us the signpost on commons like right away which typically That's doesn't great. happen yeah yes yeah, so it's really nice so you can see how things fit into that as other cards are being spoiled again not really sure yet i haven't done enough evaluation of the set as a whole as at least with the pieces we have um to to know if i think this is going to be a really fun format but we're gonna have some cool like different vectors i mean rats is a deck you can play like that's gonna be fun <laughs> um so yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be a fun set. And of course, I'm looking forward to those WOT cards because I want a bunch of them for Commander. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm still laughing at that card rat out. It's like a oh, it's, it's like so a good. minus one minus one, but the flavor text is like, here, hold this. And the art is just the <laughs> guy throwing a rat at someone. <laughs> it's 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 so good. Um uh, honestly, like these types of sets, this and even Lord of the Rings passed. Um these are the ones where like you're not afraid to leave a bunch of your cards out on your desk so when your roommate comes over it's like oh that's kind of funny whereas like if you leave like a mom card out it's like i don't know what and Kyrie? <laughs> like what is it what does this mean <laughs> yeah but, like if, if you leave scream puff laying around that's funny right yeah uh, this is the type of stuff that inspires a lot of uh maybe newer or or even just more vorthosy players uh to to go more into it and, and to see what's up because uh it, it is best when it adapts it into its own way um and yeah we're kind of starting fresh with like a new story cycle i'll, I'll comment on the story later I, I i didn't really love it but uh I, honestly the story's kind of in the backgrounds like kellen whatever rowan she's evil now i guess uh 
I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But um, I do think it's kind of funny that we're getting some early plants for uh, what was it? Something burrow, uh, Fay burrow, or Gloomborough. Gloomborough. Um, we're we're seeing a bunch of bunnies, a bunch of otters, a bunch of other similar uh, stuff like that, and I'm I'm liking that direction. I'm a big fan of those types of cards. Uh, if like the top deck in standard is like bunnies dot deck, <laughs> I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> or rats dot deck like uh plus all these food puns everywhere clearly I, I, dude i don't know i think you got to expand into five color food at this point you have enough cards to just what's the it. commander like how do you Tom have a better Hongo, food commander <laughs> how do you have a better food commander than guillaume master chef come on uh it's um i don't know the ur dragon or something or no what's no, the, no. What's that's the not Hydra? on flavor enough I can't just play a five color commander to have a five color commander. It's got to be uh, on flavor. This this whole deck, it's about food. The flavor matters. It's about flavor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I hope they spoil some kind of five color legend or I don't know. At this point, we're seeing good food cards in every color. So uh, it's hopefully true. They, they print a five color food thing at some point. Yeah, or at least like partners that make sense for a food deck that give me all five yeah. colors, something like that. Because like I really don't want to have to play like Morphodon or whatever to to get like <laughs> I was already upset I couldn't run red and now we have like really good blue and white food cards too so yeah well that about does it for us this week thank you so much for listening do check out the Discord if you haven't already again the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page and if you'd like to support the show directly you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who supports us there. We will have some updates about the Patreon coming soon. Um, I'm going to just plant that little seed there, so keep an ear out for that. And if you'd like to find us um, on social media, you can find us on Twitter at DraftJackPod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. So uh, real quick here, I'm curious if any of our listeners have been watching this show on, on HBO Max or Max or whatever. I don't think it's changing their names, Twitter, uh, whatever. Uh, this this show, How To with John Wilson. Have you heard of it? Nope. Uh, it's in the same vein as as some other shows where uh, it's it's. I mean, it, it kind of falls within this big sphere of like um, Nathan for you and uh, like the Eric Andre show. A lot of the same people that work on a lot of these big like kind of comedy shows work on this too. Um, big big cross appeal there. But um, the rehearsal also comes to mind, also a Nathan Fielder production. But How To With John Wilson, the best way I can describe it is a dude in New York owns a camera and HBO hired him to just film. And he comments on it and weaves these stories throughout. And he has this, this gift of spotting the most absurd things that you always feel like you see in New York City, but you know no one would ever believe you if you told them. And he manages to get them all on video. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. It, it mm. goes so much deeper from there. Uh, highly recommend. The new season is excellent. The newest one, How to Watch the Big Game, uh, is incredible. And uh, I don't know. I, I'll never look at vacuums the same way again. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> so curious to know if any of our listeners have seen it and uh, a recommendation from myself to everyone including you uh, definitely check it out